I'm Katie J. And I'm Katie H. Welcome to the Katie's. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening (laughs) and good night. (laughs) I was just uh, listening back to whatever episode I first pointed out, like, it feels like the Truman Show. And you were like, I hate that movie so much. I I blocked it it out. I feel like I watched it way too many times in, like, classes for some reason. Like, at school. I have so many weird memories of watching that in a classroom. Yeah. Probably like philosophy or something. I don't yeah. know. They're like, what would you do? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> good morning. Thanks for listening to us again. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so thankful to be once again a part of your day. It's just we never take that for granted. Truly, we don't. Katie, how are you today? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired. We both, um, <laughs> we both sound a little bit tired. If I'm being honest, I can like hear us both just like, hey, good morning. Hey, what's up? Um, I'm tired, but not in a bad way at all. Just like body tired. Um, yeah. I had kind of a later night last night and then I... Crazy young thing. Crazy young thing. Mary's <laughs> donuts. You know what I'm saying? Donuts uh, after Bible study. <laughs> You're getting wild. Yes. <laughs> in my party face. <laughs> One of my coworkers in my at work 20s. told me, she's like, girl, I think you're entering your party phase. I said, mm, <laughs> yeah, <no." laughs> sure. Whatever. Sure. Whatever that means. To you. That's so funny. Um, I was like, where did you get that? I've never. Okay. She was, she was hoping. Yeah. She's like, so are we party? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, anyways, um, I'm just tired because of that. And then stayed up late kind of prepping for our next episode that's going to come out maybe two episodes from this one Mm -hmm. um and I'm excited about that one that one's exciting but kept me up late yeah (laughs) as it does so that's it for me what about you Katie H yeah I'm I'm tired too (laughs) feels like such a stupid answer you know when people (laughs) like how you doing you're like tired um, but it's real. But it's real. It's just where I'm at today. There's just lots of little, this has been kind of a crazy week of just like thing to thing and appointment to appointment and just lots of little things going on. So it's all good. Just life. Mm-hmm. Just living life. Yep. Doing the, doing the thing. Today, we wanted to bring you an episode that is timely. It's like relevant to the season that we're in, the literal season like mm-hmm. of the year, not the Christianese <laughs> season. And I was looking into this for myself because I was sort of like, had some questions I thought I understood, but I was like, let me, let me clarify this for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of this was brought about because there's been a really like sweet time of worship and just God's been really present in our church the last few weeks. And there's been this like kind of common call to like repentance, but also to like fasting and yeah. prayer and time in the word of God. And, um, this topic was something I've been thinking about because I was like, this is so timely and interesting if this is all happening right before Easter. But I want to talk about Lent today. And Ooh, I, Lent. yeah, <laughs> Katie, what is your like experience with or understanding of Lent? Have you ever participated? I've never participated in Lent. Yeah, me either. But I, I mean, my understanding of it is really basic. We were talking mm-hmm. before we started recording. I was like, I'm so excited we're doing an episode because I have like a remedial understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that you give up something for Lent. So it's fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where my understanding ends. <laughs> right. Well, and that was pretty much my understanding. My mom grew up Catholic. I thought it was 
was like just a Catholic yeah. thing. Cause you know, they have, you, you see like on Ash Wednesday, Catholics just walking around the grocery store with like yeah, Mark ash on their, ash on their forehead. <laughs> um, see it all over social media and it's just kind of like, okay, like cool, but not for me. Yeah. Um, but I was just kind of curious, like what's the church history? What's the background? What's the biblical basis for this kind of a thing? And this sort of like pull in my heart of just like, is this something that I can participate in, in a way that like is, um, fruitful. And I wanted to start by just kind of the basics, like, what is it? So Lent is this period before Easter and it's technically the 46 days before Easter, but for some reason in the Catholic calendar, you don't count the Sundays. So it's 40 days before Easter and it ends. I've actually read a couple of different things on this, so I'm not entirely clear, but Holy Thursday or Easter Sunday there's different, and maybe that's just like different traditions, which we'll get to. But, um, this was born out of remembering the 40 days that Jesus spent being tempted in the wilderness. So that's kind of the like significance of it. And it's marked by prayer, by fasting, repentance, abstaining from certain things, preparation for Easter. And certain churches and denominations recognize it as a time of like penance for sins. So that would be more of the Catholic or like um, some of the different Orthodox traditions that this was a time to actually like receive forgiveness for sins which is not what Protestants would say. And there's slight differences, some really like minor differences and some like really extreme differences in how it's practiced between major traditions. So something I was surprised about is that there are both Catholic and Protestant churches that like structurally practice Lent. Mm -hmm. I I really thought it was like primarily Catholic or Orthodox. That was my understanding as well. Yeah. And so we talked about Ash Wednesday a little bit, but I also wanted to just leave a footnote here of like, what is it? Like, yeah. <laughs> what's what's the point? If you've never heard of it, literally you'll see people walking around the Wednesday, six weeks before Easter with like a, like literal ash on their forehead, mm-hmm. like sometimes in the shape of a cross or whatever. And this just marks the beginning of Lent. This is just kind of, there's usually like a mass or a service that celebrates this. And Catholic and some Protestant denominations have this service where ashes are marked on believers' foreheads to cause reflection on the temporary nature of man, on our sin, depravity, and need for a savior. So it's like a very solemn day, a very solemn service. Um, I was reading that in a lot of Catholic mass, which if you're Catholic, I hope I'm not doing you (laughs) disservice here. It's like a very quiet, like people usually leave the service in silence. It's very reflective. Mm. The scriptural readings are very like solemn, which is, it's kind of cool to have that like reflection before Easter. like reverence for the Lord. I, I think about this a lot where in some of those Catholic and like Orthodox traditions, like there's something so beautiful about the structure and the liturgy. And I mean, even in like Anglican and some of the like Protestant denominations that have this structure as well. Like we miss out in evangelicalism or Protestantism or non-denominationalism. We have such like a casual service structure and stuff, which I love Mm -hmm. in so many ways. Um, And yeah, I feel like sometimes we miss this like deep tradition and liturgy and history. And I know that's a lot of the heart of what we've been talking about with wanting to (laughs) in the next couple months get into some series about like church tradition and history and all that stuff. But is that anything like you've ever kind of been drawn to or is it something that's a little bit like off-putting to you? No, I love stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm like a history nerd. and (laughs) So like if anything has like intentional design in it to reflect like history or be symbolic, I'm drawn to it. Same. Like I I love communion. Art, buildings. Like I even love like architecture and things like that. Being in Europe. Like I am like 
a huge architecture nerd. Yeah. I went on my like Washington DC trip when uh-huh. I was in eighth grade and I was like, oh my gosh. Cause we went to like the National Cathedral, which is still one of my Gorgeous. favorite places I've ever been yeah. to. And like all the stained glass windows yeah. and just the way that like buildings are literally designed to like point us to the Lord. To draw your attention like, to heaven and yeah. to the holiness of God. And yes, there's, there's something so beautiful much. about that. Yeah. And there's so much in that that's like lost now. Yeah. And so I think like we I literally, it, our church is like a warehouse church. It, like It's literally like in an industrial park. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's just like, there's something that you get yeah. in those really like historical, yeah, beautiful, like there's something worshipful about the design, yeah. you know? Well, it's, you know, humans carrying out to the fullest extent, like continuing to create, yeah. you know, things that reflect like God's image. Yeah. And so I think that whenever I do see it, it's like I'm starved for those things yeah. like in this day and age and I like want to be a part of it. Right. And I think that's why, I mean, this is a, a guess, but I would guess that's why uh, a lot of people are drawn to the Catholic Church mm-hmm. because it has such a rich uh, liturgy and yeah. all of traditionalism that. and yeah, all that. yeah, it's it's really beautiful. Absolutely, um, I think like in America, especially, we're so drawn to our like individualism mm-hmm. and our like modernness and like all of these things that sometimes we just sacrifice. Yeah, the like simplistic or traditional or just like beautiful things of these like more like ancient traditions of faith. And, you know, there's good and bad in all of it. (laughs) Like I'm not going to say that anyone, you know, church has it perfect, but I think we get competitive Mm -hmm. in the Western church a lot more than we we should, definitely more than we should. Well, because we're elevating our own interpretations and our own views. Right. When you walk into something a little bit more traditional, they're doing things that have been done for right. centuries. Right. There's no competition when you're all doing the same thing. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so there, there's good and bad in that as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, right. But, and there's, there's like a total spectrum in all of oh, these, yeah. all of these traditions. Yeah, we've made it very black and white. It's not it's very not, black and white. No, but that's a whole other bucket of worms. Yeah. And <laughs> I just like my mom, like I said, she was raised Catholic and so and her whole side of the family, my all my aunts and uncles and everybody are like Protestant, but that whole side of the family and my grandparents were all Catholic. And so many like weddings and funerals and different things like that. Like I've, yeah. I've been to mass a bunch in my life and I always like loved it. Like I felt this really like solemn, like yeah. reflection being in, like even as a little kid, you know, like it was so different than anything I knew being in church. And I still just like, I thought it was so beautiful. Anyway. Yeah little bit of a tangent but worth talking about oh yeah so now let's get a little bit into the history this is something I truly wish we could like really dig into but I don't think it's like the point of what we want to talk about here um but the like first mentions of like like widely practiced Lent as like a structured thing emerged shortly after the council of Nicaea which was 325 AD and um this was something that was discussed at the Council of Nicaea. So those people, those elders, those church fathers, they took those ideas back to their churches after this council. Like its implementation was discussed? Well, so not necessarily implementation, but like considering it like a practice that was acceptable and like honorable and good. So it had been happening before the Council of Nicaea. Well, here's the interesting thing. So a lot of people will, there's actually like three different kind of like, this is where it started. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason it was discussed in the Council of Nicaea is because there were writers as early as like the second century. So like, 
I forget what it was, but it was like 210 or yeah. 180 AD or whatever that is. But people who were like basically like two or three generations off of the apostles and they were like disciple, like leaders of the church, uh, referred to Lent or at least a period of fasting before resurrection day yeah. as being practiced by like even the apostles. Like yeah. there's a specific letter that was written that I'm in a link where I got all this information. It was a really good article. It's called a short version of the long history of Lent. Really, really well written. But this church father was writing and he was kind of defending this idea of fasting before in, in the second century. Like I said, he was writing this whole defense of Lent and he was saying, this isn't something we've invented. This is something yeah. that like our forefathers and their forefathers were doing. So he's like pointing back generations and saying like, yeah. the apostles practiced this solemn period of fasting before the return. Which um, that makes sense. Like when you right. just think about the concept of fasting and I'm sure you'll get into this more, but it just makes sense that we would be fasting or right. we would be in more intentional with our prayer life and our seeking of the Lord in the time leading up to us. Holy week and all of it. Resurrection. Right. So, and like the apostles definitely <laughs> celebrated some version of Holy week and the resurrection and it was very real to them. So yeah. they would have established that very strongly in the early church. Yeah. But the idea of it being like a structured 40 days before Easter yeah. and Ash Wednesday and all that stuff was not like regulated really until the Council of Nicaea, which didn't really regulate it, but it kind of established like, hey, as an entire church, this is the amount of time. It like This is what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then this became even further regulated by Catholic popes as early as the 6th century. So it kind of continued to morph and change. And that like regulation in the 6th century um, sort of gave freedom. It, under the Nicene Council, it became something that was like, this is exactly what we're giving up. This is exactly how long and like all these things. Yeah. And then in the Catholic Church, it became, you know, there's this is like the amount of time. Here's the option. Like it, it kind of gave it structure, but yeah. saying like you have options. And then continued to morph and change. And as like the great schism happened, East West, and then the Protestant Reformation, all this stuff kept changing and looking different. But I wanted to read a quote from this other article um, that we'll link as well, but I'm not going to like name the article right now or the author, but in the ancient church, Lent was a time for new converts to be instructed for baptism and for believers caught in sin to focus on repentance. In time, all Christians came to see Lent as a season to be reminded of their need for penitence and to prepare spiritually for the celebration of Easter. Part of this preparation involved the Lenten fast, giving up something special during the six weeks of Lent, but not on Sundays in some traditions. So, this was the other interesting thing that I forgot to mention earlier, but in that like early practice, like early as the second century or before, this was specifically used within the church to like prepare new converts for actual like water mm. baptism That's before so Easter. Cool. Yeah. Which I think is really cool too. I've never like yeah. considered Easter and baptism like in the same but that makes sense. It, I mean it <laughs> logically, right? Yes. It follows. It absolutely <laughs> follows. So that's like how it was the earliest iterations of this, those were the focuses were baptism, repentance, fasting, yeah. prayer. And then we have the Reformation. And like most things in the Catholic Church, Protestants began to resist Lent, as they did just many Catholic practices and teachings that they felt were twisted and were theologically yeah. twisted to... They were having a little PTSD in this moment. Right, right. <laughs> well, and Lent did become 
this thing, like I mentioned before, and we'll get into a little bit later, where it was an actual time to pay penitence for your sins, mm, yeah. like adding to the work of Christ that you needed to do further yeah. penitence, further. Or you literally needed to like seek, pay. <laughs> literally, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll get there in our church history stuff. Yeah. But I'm going to read another quote from the same article I just quoted, which is historically many Protestants rejected the practice, pointing out truly that it was nowhere required in scripture, which yes, is true. True. Some of these Protestants were also the ones who refused to celebrate Christmas, by the way. They wanted to avoid some of the excessive aspects of Mm -hmm. Catholic penitence that tended to obscure the gospel of grace, which is valid. Mm -hmm. These Protestants saw Lent at best as something completely optional for believers and at worst, a superfluous Catholic practice that true believers should avoid altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, So even then, even in those early days of the like, you know, fire under our (laughs) fire under our feet reformation there was a spectrum of you know if this is beneficial for you that's great um and then there were the people that were like anything that even looks catholic is heresy and we have to reject it yeah we are throwing the baby out with the bathwater right now (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah there's there's so much there but i thought that was interesting just some of the history yeah there's a lot more history a lot more specifics specific popes specific you know orders and things like that but We just don't have time to get into it today. So what I thought would be more valuable for us to discuss is like kind of what is the value or the symbolism of Lent? And is it something that we should or could or might want to do as Protestants? Basically the like the symbolism of Lent as a means to earn favor or forgiveness or grace is problematic. If that's, if that's the view of Lent that you have, it is not biblical. It does not align with the gospel. And I have a couple verses here that I want to read, which is, uh, first is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, a really just good verse you should have in your bank of memory. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So your works, your abstinence, your fasting, your prayer, your humility, all those things, none of them can earn you grace or favor with God. All of those things are an outflow of the grace that you've been given and the salvation that you've been given when you receive it. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lent can't save you. Lent doesn't like make you holier inherently. Practicing fasting doesn't like save you is the point here. Um, And then this other verse in Romans 9 verse 16 says, so then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Mm. Um, Your will and your effort and all of your show does not impress God. And that's not like, oh, he's this like lofty being who scoffs at you. But reframing that into thinking there's a God who has mercy and who desires to give you the free gift of salvation and who has done everything required to do Mm. so which that shift is what brings about like the joy of Easter, right? Like yes. that's the, that's the focus. And I kind of summarized here what I think we would say is like the, the purpose and the symbolism of Lent. It is a purposeful season of fasting, prayer, and reflection meant to sober the spirit of the Christian, to remind them of the sins of which they've been forgiven and to make fresh in their mind, their need for Jesus. Its result should be joy and anticipation for the resurrection coming on Easter Sunday. Mm. And I have a lot more verses here, but I'm curious if you have any like thoughts or reactions to that. Well, it's just, it's just interesting. I mean, all of this has just been interesting, but thinking about how this can be taken in two different directions to cater to two fully different like camps of people. Yeah. You know, we have the works-based people and the people, uh, you know, the that 
are believing everything mm-hmm. that you just read out of the scripture. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we can twist this to be whatever we want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think that there seems to be something so rich, even if we never practice Lent, even yeah. if we like listen to all this stuff and we talk about it, we think we see the value in it and then we never practice it. Mm-hmm. The very basic principles of it are something that should be evident. It should be evident in our lives all the time. Yes. It's a sobriety of spirit. And like you were talking about, sobriety of spirit, you know, a recognition of the sins we've been forgiven of and just like an acknowledgement of the holiness of the Lord. Right. And And our need for him. And our need for him. And then also just his sacrifice on the cross. And those are things that should be evident in our lives all the time. But I think being aware of them in kind of a higher concentration (laughs) uh, leading up to Easter, it makes sense to me. Right. And I think that we can practice the principles of this, of being intentional with our devotion times leading up to Easter, mm-hmm. of, you know, being intentional with our prayers, what we're dwelling on, yeah. um, and all of that stuff. So if you hear this and you're like, girl, I'm not trying to do Lent, I'm yeah. like, I get it. And who knows yeah. if I'll implement Lent. Yeah. I love the idea of it. Like yeah. I'm listening to this thinking like this has so much value, but it doesn't have so much value because it is a church tradition. Mm-hmm. It has so much value because it points us to you know, the eternity we've been saved from Mm -hmm. and the goodness of our God. And so I think if we're reflecting on those two things, you're accomplishing the the purpose of Lent. And uh, so that's just kind of what I'm thinking. Like there's so many different ways of like practicing this Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't need to be structured if you're like thinking – I don't know. That sounds really weird. Yeah. Then don't do it. Yeah. You know, then don't structure it like that. But there is something so beautiful about being intentional with even just your thoughts mm-hmm. leading up to Easter. Yeah. Because um, it is a holy time. This is a holy time. Right. Uh, I've, I've had so many Easter's in my life where I feel like I just, I get to Easter Sunday or I get to Holy Week or Good Friday or whatever it is. And I feel as if I have wasted yeah. an opportunity to prepare myself absolutely for it I feel the same and like the temptation there would be to be like ashamed or embarrassed right to be like I should have more joy than I do Mm. about this like I know logically all these things right and these practices there's so many things you said there that I'm like footnoting to talk about in the next section (laughs) you just had so many good points but these things the fasting and the discipline none of them save you none of them bring about love like we can't get that order twisted, that those mm-hmm. things don't give us joy. They don't give us love for God. They're born out of love for God. Yeah. And they're born out of the joy and the the joy and the other gifts that are from the spirit, right? Yeah. That come from intimacy. And discipline like this can contribute to intimacy. Like it's oh, yeah. all very interconnected, but the order is important, right? Yeah. That we first seek him. We first pursue him and allow him to speak to us and allow him to be present in the focus in our lives. And then Mm -hmm. these disciplines become joyful and they follow out of that love and, you know, not getting stuck in the trap of fighting your way, like two of these things, which I find myself in all the time. Like it's just an easy thing to do. And I think we're all susceptible to it. And I think certain personalities are like even more susceptible to it. Yeah. But anyways, we're going to get to all of that. (laughs) I have a few verses here that I wanted to 
maybe read just like over you guys as you're listening that I found so encouraging. And especially in the season of Easter, like this is, this is what this is. This is what this is about. So the hope and the joy that I'm talking about here, this is it. First Peter one, three through six, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The next one is Second Corinthians four sixteen through 18. And I would encourage you to go read these for yourself. It's just they're so well encapsulated, summarized, just the hope of our salvation. So again, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So I think those are really good verses to focus on, maybe to memorize, maybe to study for Lent. Yeah, that's that's that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, it's it's always amazing to me how you can like hear passages of scripture and the Lord <laughs> like I feel like I have just have this picture of the like the Lord being constructed in front of me mm. like I'm seeing him be built up because it's just the description of everything he's done mm-hmm. for us and so I think those passages are just really sweet a very poignant <laughs> reminder of mm-hmm. all we have in Christ um well we're so we're so forgetful yeah we're so like distractible and that's just part of being humans in physical bodies on the earth, right? Is stuff gets in the way and our attention spans are limited and all these things. But anytime we can put the word of God in front of ourselves and focus on it and um, reflect on it and listen to it over and over again or have it spoken over us, like it builds something up in us of like our faith being strengthened and it honors the Lord. And it, it, like these verses are talking about, like the inner self is being renewed day by day. Yeah. Like what he has done by letting us be reborn by his spirit has allowed us to, first of all, to, to know him and to be with him and to have communion with him, but also to have eternal life, like to, to come against the wasting away that sin has caused that causes us to be so distractible and temporal and focused on physical things and yeah. all that. So we're going to like close this conversation off with how should we incorporate this? Like, should Protestants do it? Is it something I have to do? Shoot, Katie's now I feel so ashamed of myself. Don't do that. <laughs> Lent is not a requirement. No. Absolutely not. Um, for for us. If you are a Catholic and you're like, it is, that's great in your tradition. Uh, but also the Bible does not require Lent yeah. um for holiness or sanctification or any of those things. But there's this really great quote that I saw by Dallas Willard. 
um, he has a book about spiritual disciplines that says, um, if a certain spiritual discipline helps you grow in God's grace, then by all means do it. Yeah. Like what's stopping you? But if it doesn't, don't feel like you must. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of a helpful outline of like, if this is beneficial to you, or even if like, put simply, you feel a pull on your mm-hmm. spirit to practice and participate in something like this that maybe you've never done before. Maybe you've never fasted, which we're going to get to, or you've just never really considered like the seasonal like celebrations of Christian faith. Like maybe this is something you could focus on even in a small way this year. Maybe that means memorizing one of those scriptures we just talked about. Maybe that means fasting. Maybe that means praying. Maybe that means committing to something that whatever it is for you, fill in the blank, but it should only be something that helps you to grow in the grace of God and to grow in, in love for him. So I want to talk about fasting really quick here. Yeah. Uh, fasting is like a biblical principle. It's something that's established in the old Testament. It's something that's continued in the new Testament under Jesus. It's something that's talked about in the epistles. Like it's a consistent spiritual discipline that is practiced and taught on in the Bible. And it has like a bunch of different things that it accomplishes in our lives. I'm not going to read all of these scriptures here, but I want to give them to you if you want to look into this for yourself, if yeah. it's something you've never done. But one thing it does is it focuses us on prayer. The verse I have here is actually in Ezra 8 verses 21 through 23. And it's a story of the prophet Ezra leading the people of Israel through a time of fasting for the purpose of prayer. Another one Another thing that it accomplishes is seeking the guidance of the Lord, causing the people of God to seek his guidance. There's an example of this in Judges 20 verse 26. Fasting can also be to seek deliverance. Like people can, there's lots of examples of this in the Old Testament, but um, the people of God fasting for a day, for however long to seek God's movement of power, like in their immediate situation. One example is in 2 Chronicles 20 verses 3 through 4. Another thing fasting can do is express repentance. And uh, we see this in 1 Samuel 7, verse 6. It can help us overcome temptation. The example I have here is actually Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Fasting can express love and worship. We see this in Luke 2, verse 37. And there's many more things. Like there's seriously tons of examples. It might be helpful if this is something that you've never done or you're confused about to maybe just do a word study to um, literally go on the Bible app or blue letter Bible and search fasting or fasted or whatever it is and go through the different times in the Bible that this happens and take notes, see what you notice of the situation is, where it happens, what the, what it accomplishes in those who are fasting themselves and what it, like what the Lord does in response to fasting. (laughs) Right. And it's not a like manipulation of God. It's just a focus and Mm -hmm. a time of, of like just focus and just intense prayer. Like we're often not really that, uh, you know, lasered in in our like prayer and focus on the Lord. And oftentimes things like this can, they change our heart and our perspective and can attune us to the, to the voice of the Lord or things like that. But well, um, it's giving, it's just giving something up so that something else might take its place. Exactly. And so whatever you're giving up, it's so that the Lord can take its place. Yeah. And, um, you know, we can make it like 8,000 times more complicated or whatever, but that's truly bare bones what it is. True. So, yeah, it's just focused time with the Lord where something else used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And Lent as like practiced denominationally can look like a lot of different types of fasts. Like sometimes it's 
literally like sweets. Sometimes it's, you know, it can, it can be individual. So oftentimes fasting is food related. And mm-hmm. so that could be, there's certain denominations too that they, they do true like sun up, sundown fasts all of Lent. I've never successfully been able to yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just need to, you know, you know be willing to be uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but food fasts are like, honestly, they've been hard for me in the past because mm-hmm. I get so focused on the fast itself. Yeah. And like getting the fast perfect that yeah. I'm like missing the point. Yeah. Which is just so silly and such a such a ridiculous problem to have. But well, I know also that a lot of I know young women in particular who won't do a food fast because maybe they've struggled with some eating disorders yeah. and stuff like that. And it is then the focus does become the lack of food you're putting in your body. Right. And it might put them in a tricky spot. Right. And so there are other ways of doing it and yeah. there's no shame in doing it a different way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, like we just kind of like did a fast before yeah. an event we had and like I'm pregnant. I can't mm-hmm. not eat all day. Like yeah. I literally can't do that, <laughs> especially for multiple days at a time. Like there's people who do juice only fast. I know, I know many people who really enjoy that. Like mm-hmm. that's something that they, they, you know, Brings really, the yeah, Lord. they really enjoy the intimacy that that brings with the Lord. The point of a fast really like is to be uncomfortable enough that when you're missing something Mm -hmm. that you are abstaining from for a set period of time, that that hunger physical or otherwise leads you to a hunger for the Lord. Um, And so it's just training your brain and your mind and your spirit and your thoughts to just turn towards the Lord in discomfort, (laughs) which we are often so comfortable in our day and age that we have very few opportunities to be uncomfortable and depend on the Lord. So, well, and that also means that we could literally give up basically anything and be put in that discomfort. (laughs) Well, I, the one that always works for me and is embarrassing to me every time I do it is social media or just like my phone, anything beyond texting, calling like for work and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just like honestly, like brought real low by the fact that I am so <laughs> constantly yeah, like conditioned to turn to this thing in moments of silence and moments of boredom and moments of discomfort, whatever. Yeah. Like that really should be the place of the Lord. So anyway. Yeah, no, I, for that event that you're talking about mm-hmm. that we were fasting for, I like attempted social media and then had things I needed like genuinely needed to be on social media for yeah. And I was like, shoot, got to pivot. I know. Uh, but I like way scaled back my time. And then I gave up like all secular music mm-hmm. because I love me some secular music. She loves her country. I do. And so I like gave up all of that and was listening solely to like worship music. And that mm-hmm. genuinely like <laughs> that'll right. do the trick. Right. If you are so used to being able to just shut off your mind to the Lord <laughs> mm-hmm. for any period of time because of anything, um, that's probably something you could give up in a fast. Yeah. And so I found that to be beneficial for me, um, and it had nothing to do with food, and it was still very, you know, it, it was effective. <laughs> it yeah. did. It served its purpose, which was removing something and placing God in its place. Totally. Um, so, yeah, don't feel like you can't do it because you don't want to give up food. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, there's lots more to be said about fasting, but that's the, the summary, the basics of it. And I want to reiterate this point again, that disciplines don't save us, Yeah. but they are necessary. Like if you have a faith without discipline, 
uh, you have either a weak or an empty faith. Yeah. The, the, the God of the Bible, <laughs> he has given us his spirit. He has given us salvation and his spirit leads us to obedience, to discipline, to fruit that make us more like him. Yeah. And if you're not seeing that in your life, um, you know, I would just ask the Lord for hunger for those things. And I would also maybe get some accountability in your life or maybe start practicing things like Lent. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, sometimes we just need like a hard stop. Yeah. Something to the structure of to give us like structure. Yeah. yeah. Love produces devotion. Yeah. So that's just keep it in the right order. But the devotion is a good thing. Mm -hmm. You can dedicate a day, a week, a season to the Lord whenever you want but I think there's something really special about doing yeah. so before Easter. It's a really beautiful way to remind your soul of its need for Jesus and to set yourself up for joy, to yeah. celebrate the resurrection and to um, really honor the Lord in the way that he deserves at that time. So uh, that's most of what I've got for you today. I don't know if you have any other thoughts, Katie. I don't think it's made you think of. I've, I mean, I've just been thinking this whole time that, you know, Lent is a really excellent tool mm -hmm. um, in your tool belt. And yeah. if you are craving some very intentional intimacy with the Lord, then maybe it's time to practice Lent. Yeah. And even like thinking about this, I it wouldn't be out of the question for me to implement it next year or begin implementing it this year or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, and also this will be coming out, you know, almost a week after Lent has started. Yeah don't let that stop you. Yes. Like that's so silly. That's such a silly thing. Exactly. Like we've already said the structure of it, like it's great. It's historical. Yeah. Also totally not the point. The structure right. is not the point. The point is the focus. Yes. And, um, you know, if you're finding yourself, I, I feel like a lot of people I've talked to recently, we're all kind of finding ourselves hungry right mm -hmm. now, like hungry for, yeah. for more, for seriousness, for, you know, a fresh, a fresh thing. And this might just be a tool that God could yeah. use to to grow you and to soften you and to just give you joy in your salvation. So yeah. all good things, all, all things that things. I want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess I want them too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Intimacy with the Lord. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I always appreciate knowing some more historical context. My Me favorite, too. <laughs> my favorite thing in the world. Me too. I hope um, it wasn't too dry. I hope it was practical as well. But yeah. I, I like the history too. Oh, yeah. So fun. Um, we are going to close out this episode the way we close out every episode. Mm -hmm. You can find us at the Katie's Podcast on Instagram or email us at the Katie's Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we have switched our release day to Tuesdays. Tuesdays. So not Mondays anymore. I had a couple people sweet, come up to Sweet you. Katie Jones here. She <laughs> she needs the time to do the yes. editing and her life is crazy. So. Yeah. It was like every week it was basically being released on Tuesday. Anyways, I was mm -hmm. like, let's just switch the official day yeah. so I don't get like the guilt <laughs> that yeah. comes with it. But thank you for bearing with us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I had a few people who were like, um, your episode didn't come out. I was like, girly, we switched to Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah, should put that just, in our bio. Yeah, I'll put it in That's actually, bio. I just thought of that. <laughs> I know, I was thinking about it too while we were talking actually like, ooh. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we are so grateful that you tuned in again and we can't wait to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.